Welcome to the Mom Life Be Like podcast. This is a safe space for busy moms to talk about, well, everything. We will get into the nitty gritty, the joys, the tears, the good, the bad, and beautiful about motherhood. I'm your host, Nicole Van Lunn, and I'm so honored and happy that you are here. Let's go. Hey, it's your host, Nicole Van Lund. So in today's episode, we are going to be talking to, and when I say we, me, I'll be talking to Carrie Paxton Hertzberger, and we are going to be discussing how to keep your kids busy and secretly learning all summer long without screens. So as you can imagine, this is going to be a very interesting conversation. But before I bring Carrie on, let me tell you about her. So Carrie is an entrepreneurial, unschooling mom of two girls preparing to travel and world school. She runs two businesses, an unschooling co-op, and school day off nature camps for local schooled kiddos. In her business, Carrie Cares, she helps other busy moms and dads slow down so that they can get more done and spend more time with their kids, especially outside. Help me welcome Carrie. So, hey, Carrie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for being here as well. So we're going to get into how you help busy parents keep their kids entertained outside, which is a perfect topic because this episode will be dropping this summer, 2022. And before we get into that, I would love for you to share with the audience how you became the unschooling mom. Wow. So it's a journey. Um, like, how far do you want me to start? Because I can tell you that unschooling was never an idea in my mind until, I don't know, recently. Okay. So did you... So it didn't start before your kids were born. Correct. Okay. Correct. I, so I taught um, in uh, back when I was in high school, I started a Saturday side school in my neighborhood and I didn't know it at the time, but like I was destined to be a teacher. Um, and I ended just up just a natural. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up teaching for 10 years. I taught in public schools, private schools, non-public special education schools, on the side, I taught community college. I taught in a different, like a variety of summer learning type programs. I ran a summer learning program for three years uh, in Baltimore City. Um, so it was like teacher all the way and school all the way. And I, I was so adamant that my kids would go to school. And, you know, at the time, as I was aging, I, I thought that homeschoolers were weird and, you know, my kids wouldn't be socialized and I didn't want to be a mom and a teacher. Uh And then, um, it, it happened actually after I left teaching. So I had my, my first child and I accidentally started a tutoring business. I started getting calls and then referrals led to more calls. And eventually I ended up taking that business online. Uh, accidental I, teacher. You're this is yeah. like second, the second yeah. time. That the happened. second accidental time, right? <laughs> um and you know, finally I had so many clients, and it, at one point I was taking my two children around with me while I was tutoring, and you know, at times breastfeeding a child while I was tutoring. Wow. And it just it was not a sustainable model. <laughs> Um, so I, I went online and, and really the more that I saw of all of my different clients' experiences, those who were in public school, those who were in private school, not just in my area, but I, I have clients in other states as well. 
they all just had really rough school experiences. Um, the gifted students were struggling. The students with language-based learning differences were struggling. The students with ADHD and anxiety were struggling. Everybody was struggling. And um, really from what I saw, struggles? I'm sorry. Was it similar struggles? Um, it really depended on, on the student and what they were coming to school with. Mm -hmm. Um, but really it, it just, I saw a system that wasn't meeting the needs of so many children. Mm. Um, and then I saw how my older child would probably be one of those kids. And I thought, we're not doing the homeschool thing, or we're not doing the school thing. We're going to homeschool. And then very quickly that turned into unschooling because every time I, you know, tried to do any sort of sit down lesson, even though like, I always kind of had a minimal approach Uh and a very hands-on approach, um, it was just fully rejected. Uh, and I was like, okay, unschooling is the way to go. You know, she learned so much more on her terms, on, on her grounds when she is interested in something, not when I bring it up and it works. And it's, it's just a battle I don't have to fight so that, you know, if there is something really important when I have to lay down the law, she listens because we're not fighting about school or, you know, a million other things about which shoes we're going to wear, if our dress is dirty or clean, you know, we save it for the important things. Yes, you will brush your teeth today. That's an important one. You will brush your hair today. That's another important one to me. (laughs) So was your second daughter, was she automatically in the unschooling program? Yes. So by the time I had switched to the unschooling method with with my daughter, which happened, you know, two, two months probably into what would be her kindergarten year when I realized, all right, we're just going to be unschoolers. Um, my other daughter was, she had been three. So really just, you know, I was never an advocate for super early learning anyway. I always had minimalist tendencies when it came to education. So she just got the full on unschooling experience from the beginning. Got it. So for the moms listening, right, and you hear unschooling, that may evoke feelings of freaking out immediately. It's like, how do I, like, this sounds great. I feel like my kid would thrive better under, you know, not so structured, air quote, um, curriculum. How, what advice would you give for moms who want to make that switch? Um. So... Generally, uh, uh, another great way to describe unschooling is child-led learning. When they're curious about something, you dig into it. And that, that learning is not the same thing as being taught. You don't need to be taught to learn. You need to be exposed, you need to be interested, and you need to have resources to explore it. And um, the idea of a child getting taught something that they're not really interested in, honestly, they're not going to remember anyway. Right. You know, like how much stuff do you really remember from school? You can read, I'm sure, right? Uh-huh. And you can do basic math, I'm sure. But, but do you remember all the... And all that stuff, like, no. <laughs> right, right. And and people who have a career where they need it, then that's the stuff they remember because they're interested in it, Right. I don't know, maybe chemistry is your thing with, with your beauty products. I don't know. Um, but like the stuff that you're interested in, you remember. Uh-huh. Um, and really that's how learning unfolds. You don't need to be taught to learn. You need to be exposed, interested, and then have 
resources. And then you might find, okay, this isn't my thing after all. I'm going to move on to something else. Okay. And then, so as a parent, like being open to after exposing and providing the resources that your kid may say, okay, like I've dug into this far enough to know that hmm, I'm not really that interested in it. Yes. And that's okay. We have to kind of let that go. My advice would be don't provide expensive resources. We love the library. We love museums, especially the free ones or the ones where you can get a membership and be exposed to lots of different things. Got it. Um, So I know one of your other principles and values is teaching. Well, I shouldn't say teaching, um, unschooling without screens. So how, what, how do you, you expose your kids to new things when screens are the main ways that people kind of function and live their lives now? Yeah. So our family isn't totally screen-free, but we definitely have limits and boundaries. Um, We spend a lot of time at the library and the kid, we usually try and go once a week and the kids just find books because they look cool and they often get interested in topics that way. Um, We have a membership at the science center. We have a membership at the zoo. We spend a lot of time outside and a That's kind of where their interests stem from. Something cool they saw at the Science Center or an animal they saw at the zoo um, or just things in their natural environment. Uh, The kind of the less you put in front of kids, the more they become interested in what's around them. Because they don't have those other things as a distraction. Got it. So it's not that you're completely off screen, but like setting boundaries. And are the boundaries like around like must it, have high value? Like, must it be educational or is entertainment allowed with the screen times? For us, we're fine with entertainment. It's just not our first go-to. So we have a Friday night movie night and we eat dinner and watch a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, We, so, you know, generally that's entertainment unless we're really excited about a a documentary or something. Um, When the girls are in the bath, they're seven and five. When they're in the bath, Uh, They take turns watching like videos on the iPad. Mm -hmm. And usually we have YouTube kids and I usually like preload content there because YouTube can be a really scary place. Um, But I do let them watch like the ridiculous, you know, kids unboxing the toys, watch kids play videos. But I try and stay around and make sure I know what they're listening to and what they're being exposed to. And we just keep it. It's like one of those. Got it. So just being aware and mindful of what's going in, what your kid is absorbing is like the number one. Yeah. And we have a couple learning games that they play here and there. But, you know, if if my kids are on screens, a movie plus an hour a week, that's probably the extent of it. Okay. I love that. I love that. And I'm, you know, I'm making mental notes because, you know, I have (laughs) two-year-old twins. So I am definitely aware of like how easy it is to plop them in front of a screen (laughs) in this day and age. So, And it's going to make your life harder in the long run. Like I did that with my older child. When I would go take a shower or something, I would think, oh, she needs to be entertained. And I would put on a TV show for my, you know, eight-month-old. Like, mm-hmm. no, that's, that's really not a good way to go because then you're teaching them to be dependent on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you start being really purposeful about 
when and how you use screens or how you don't use screens in the beginning, it's so much easier for them to not have that dependency and for it just to become a treat or a special occasion thing or a learning tool as opposed to a a go-to for entertainment. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. The go-to is is the key, right? Like not making it a go-to, but just supplementary. Right. Got it. All right. So it's summertime. You know, parents are like, what am I going to do with these kids all summer? I think I saw on your pages, they're like 113 days or something of summer. So there's a TV show. Here I am talking about TV (laughs) called Phineas and Ferb that um, I really liked as, I I don't know, was I in college? It's really cute. It's these two, I don't know, I think they're friends and it's summer vacation and they come up with these like crazy things to do for summer. Like make it a, a roller coaster, do some crazy, like put a mall in their backyard. And they, they have a little song. It's 104 days of summer vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that always stuck in my head. But uh, where I live, the public school system has 73 days of vacation, which really isn't that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes weekends. So I made a 73-day calendar of outdoor activities, things that you can do that are um, free or cheap, low prep or no prep that you know you can just get out and do right around your house. You don't have to have a yard. You don't have to have easy access to nature. Most of these things you can do just you know walking down a city sidewalk. Or if you have a backyard, great. Or if you want to drive to a park, great. But most of them you can just do by walking out your door. Got it. So how do, okay. So like if a parent is working all the time, like how can they incorporate this? Is it basically fitting it in, in the morning, in the evening or piling everything on the weekends? What would your advice be? Any of those work. You really have to respect where you are in this journey. Um, Piling it on the weekends might work great. I would love to see all families get outside for a little bit every day. And you can do things like have a snack outside or since it's summer and it's warm, eat your breakfast outside. Um, You can watch a sunrise, watch a sunset, look up at the stars. So it doesn't even need to be daylight. Uh, You know, all the things that we think about that we just kind of dismiss. Um, We like to look at the sunset set and name it. You know, Mm -hmm. what, what name is calling to us with this magnificent sunset. And we really start to appreciate the beauty around us. Or it can be as simple as walking out the door and looking for a four-leaf clover. Or, hey, there's a tree in my yard. I want to find out what it is. Good screen time use. Maybe use like one of those um, Seek or iNaturalist apps. Yeah. Find out what it is and then go take a walk and see if you can find more of them. I like that. It's kind of like hide and seek almost. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely getting some ideas with this. So with, with um, you know, just the access that kids have, um, what differences have you seen with like adults? I feel like the adults now, like we naturally were outside. We didn't have to like plan these activities to be outside. But I feel like something has changed where it's like we have to prepare so much to be outside when I grew up, you know, we were just always outside. We were actually had boundaries of like when you needed to be inside because we just lived outside all the time. Do you feel like that 
is going to have like a long-term effect of like this generation not being outside as much as we were? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Like you, I was outside. My parents had a bell. They would dig it, you know, and I would know it's time to come home. Sometimes I was too far away for the bell to work. Um, So all the neighborhood parents would start calling each other. Hey, your house? Hey, your house? No, they're over there. I can hear them down at the stream. You know, they would eventually find us because this was before cell phones. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think it has a really detrimental effect. I see now so many kids who are afraid to be outside. They're worried about getting dirty themselves or they're worried their parents are going to be upset they get dirty. Um, You know, they're scared of all the creepy crawlies, which I get to an extent for sure. Um, But we're starting to look at at the outside as this scary place that's out to get us instead of this place that really we are part of. We're nature too, and it's where we belong. Um, and there's so many health uh, detriments from not getting vitamin D. There's, there's so many things associated with low vitamin D levels. Um, you know, it's unhealthy to sit inside in front of a screen all the time, regardless if you believe they're addictive or not. You're just not moving It's bad for your spine to sit in a chair all day. Mm -hmm. There's so many things. Uh, So what do you think has changed? Like our mentality with like nature now, because if we, the parents have grew up outside, why aren't we embracing outside as much for our own kids? So there's a lot to unpack here. Um, And I don't know how much of what I believe is supported by research or not, but I think some of the things that are going on, one is we believe so much in educating our kids to um, the highest degree possible so that they can go to a good college and so they can get a good job that we overschedule them with structured activities. Mm. We're time poor. We don't have time to go outside anymore. Got it. So um, even if it's a structured activity like a sports, it's still like a commitment versus like the unschooling approach. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. And while I think some structured activities are good, if that's all a student does or a child does, then when they do have time to themselves, they're not going to know what to do with it. So many of my teenager clients in, in my tutoring business, when I ask them, What do you like to do in your free time? Hey, you have no homework. What are you going to do? You're actually on top of your schoolwork today. They're like, I don't don't know. (laughs) So the the structure takes away the creativity. Exactly. I've actually, um, my husband and I have been doing this experiment with our moms, like asking them what what do they like to do for fun? And they're not coming up with great answers, (laughs) one. And I think it's because you know, we're, I think as a society, we've gotten so far away from not being scheduled to do things. And it seems like just from talking to you that it's trickling down. Yeah. And, and we feel this, we have this culturally, um, I don't know, significant model of life where if you're not working all the time, if you're not busy all the time, then you're lazy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we stay home and we clean or we stay attached to our devices so that we can respond to emails and texts or whatever for work. And we kind of don't want to stop working. 
because we don't want to be that lazy person. And then we kind of get addicted to the adrenaline rush and we get addicted to that stress. And then we don't know how to stop. Right. And, you know, I think like you, you said that's trickling down to kids too, because that's what they see us doing. So of course that's what they're going to do too. Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that this episode is being sponsored by Gorgeous Confidence, a skincare line for busy moms. Glow Like a Mother, aka Glam, is a three-step system for moms who need a simple skincare regimen with extremely effective results. The products are formulated with natural, high-quality ingredients that cleanse, rejuvenate, and provide age reduction benefits, giving moms everything their skin needs to remain healthy and radiant during the most demanding period in their life. You can learn more and shop at gorgeousconfidence.com. You know what's funny? It's like my kids recently turned two and I feel like they almost liked playing with the package that their toy, that their toy gifts came in (laughs) versus the actual toy. Like I kept the balloons around from their party just on the floor and the boxes, their stuff came in and they had more, they spent more time playing with that than the actual toy. And I kind of, I'm making this parallel of like the toy being the thing they're supposed to, you know, be into versus like, (laughs) <laughs> the box that I really want to put in recycling, but I'll, okay, I'll keep it for another week <laughs> since you're so into it. Um, I'm just drawing that parallel of like how we're kind of operating now as a society. It's like throw away the excess and like, let's focus on, you know, this hamster wheel of like, like you said, like getting to the highest level of education and success as possible from as early on as possible. Yeah. Um, you should see our, our family room. It looks like it's a recycling bin because my kids love to get the boxes of all the packages that come in and the, the bubble uh, wrap. They love to pop it and they keep a, a pile of boxes and they make fairy houses and they make doll houses and then they make paper dolls with the cardboard and they take um, paper and tape and they make their own little clothes for them and Uh, It's super creative. creative. So I imagine you get a lot of weird stares and criticism for this (laughs) way of living. How do you handle that? It's hard because I'm also a people pleaser. Um, and, And up until recently, sometimes being with other moms was really uncomfortable for me because I let my kids play with sticks safely, but I let them do it. My kids are always dirty in the sand, in the mud, jumping in puddles, in the dirt. And then we'll we'll be with other families and the the parents will be telling their kids not to do it. So then I either have to tell my kids not to do it or I have to tell them to move so they're not an influence. And I get like really worked up and anxious about it. Um, I'm learning to let it go because I also get comments like, wow, your kids are so imaginative. How do you teach them to do that? Um, or we were camping last weekend and our, our campsite neighbor commented that like our kids just went off and played by themselves. There were no other kids at the campground. It was just my two kids. And there was a little Creek and they just went and played for like two hours at a time. And then would come back and check on us. And 
you know, she was floored that my kids could do that and they didn't need me for anything and they didn't need help. Um, so we get a, a fair share of comments like that too. So I'm learning to let the other ones go. Okay. But it's, I imagine it's, it's, oh, go ahead. Oh, it's also been really helpful to connect with, um, our, another group of unschooling parents who raise their children similarly. Obviously we're all different, right? Every, every mom is different, but, um, we are all at least to some extent unschoolers and at least have like a little bit of free range child rearing in our blood. And that's really, really helpful because now we found kids who also play with sticks um, or get dirty or run around without shoes on when it's appropriate and safe to do so. Right. Um, and the parents are okay with it. So then I can relax a little. So it really does help to, to unite with others who feel similarly to you. Got it. Yeah, I just imagine that it could be because you know it's going to come up that you're raising your kids differently, that you know that the topic is going to come up, that it could cause a little angst beforehand. Yeah. 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 Have you seen um, since the pandemic, uh, parents being more interested in unschooling? I definitely have. Um, I've seen so many families pull their kids out of school because, you know, their schools closed down. And at first, when they went to virtual school or whatever it was, um, they realized that their kids didn't really know anything. You know, it was, a, it was the first time that the parents got a glimpse of what was really happening at school or not happening at school. Now, I do give the schools and the teachers a whole lot of credit because very suddenly the whole education system has had to change, you know, and that's hard. I taught for 10 years. I don't know what I would have done had I had to suddenly teach all of my classes online and keep my students engaged and, you know, huge learning curve there. Also with um, your kids at home too. Like I also, also with your kids at home. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was absolutely crazy. So, you know, I'm, I'm not certainly not trying to say that teachers didn't rise to the occasion because they did it. All the teachers I know worked their butts off. Um, but parents really saw like their kids didn't really actually know much of what they were being asked to do um, or that the instruction just wasn't suited to the kids because they either knew way more. And so parents started pulling their kids out um, and they found they liked homeschooling. And then there was another- I'm sorry. The parents or the kids? Often both. Okay, that's great. Yeah. And then there was another group that, you know, when they would try to homeschool or they would do the virtual school at home or whatever it was, their kids were giving so much pushback. They just let it go. And then they realized all of a sudden the creativity resurfaced and and kids got interested in things and they dove into projects because they had the time and the freedom to do so. And, um, you know, I think... I think we're going to see a lot more unschoolers now. That's that's so fascinating to hear because I remember growing up like in the homeschooled kids, we always called them weird. But now uh-huh. as a parent, it's like I'm really considering <laughs> this and like how it would look. Um, I do have a question on socialization because I imagine that's a big, probably like a top three uh, kind of pushback of like why parents would not want to unschool what do you have to say about that the whole socialization part that uh 
seems like it can only come from school, but I know that's not true. Yeah. So first there's just so many ways, like we're in an unschooling co-op twice a week. So we're with the same community twice a week. On most of the other days we go out, we have homeschoolers in our area that we connect with at least once a week as well. And then we have the, um, we met so many friends at parks because we're outside people. And then we meet other outside people. So we've created our, our like-minded community that way. And then when you think about it, school isn't really social socialization. We say it is, but really when kids talk, they're told to be quiet because it's not a talking time because it's a learning time. Mm -hmm. And maybe they can talk at lunch, but if they're too loud, they get told to be silent. Or if they're too messy, they get told to be silent. Or if they don't finish their lunch in time, then they have to be quiet so they have time to eat. Um, and it's very much a, uh, you really only socialize with people of your same age group. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're in, you know, um, a co-op or a club or something like that, you're more likely to have kids of all different ages. Ours is from, we have babies in the group because they're siblings to about 12 years old in our particular group. And they all play together. There's no real distinction between a 12 year old and a five-year-old, except the five-year-old might be asking the 12-year-old for help or something like that. Um, but they learn to really engage with people who of all ages. And I feel like the, the adult-child relationship is different too, because in school, it's, I'm the teacher, you have to listen to me, because really that's the only way to manage a class of 20, 30, 40 children. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to listen to the teacher. There's not really opportunity for the child to you know, discuss, um, an alternative for, you know, present their way of thinking. Whereas in a homeschool setting or a family setting, it's, it's totally different. And, you know, it's a more even playing field. Got it. And that's actually, it actually mirrors what happens in the real world more because yes. if you have a job, you're dealing with people of all ages. Your boss may be older than you, younger than you. Your coworkers may be younger or older. So it gives you that experience of dealing with a range of people versus like just your age group of five-year-olds. Yeah. Um, and then you're suddenly thrown into like other scenarios. Exactly. Yeah. So for parents who are listening and they're saying, oh, like, I think I want to really explore unschooling my kid. You mentioned co-ops. How can they, you know, find these groups and get the support from the beginning to start this journey? So your homeschool regulations will vary by state. Everything depends on your state. Um, but generally, if you're looking for a co-op, typically what that word means is a group of other homeschoolers who are joining together, sometimes for classes, sometimes for socialization, sometimes for both. Um, often there are Facebook groups in your area. Um, so like mine are nature-inspired homeschoolers of Maryland and um, Maryland unschoolers and Maryland homeschoolers. And then there's even like county groups. So that's a really great place to start. Uh, often your state or your county's website will give you a list of resources uh, of where you can look, of the different co-ops that are out there. Um, there's also umbrellas. In our area, you can either choose to report to your county about your homeschooling progress or report to an umbrella. And then the umbrella then reports to the county. And that's what we choose to do. 
Um, There's also tutorials. Sometimes that's interchanged with co-op, but but around where I am, the word tutorial means like a drop-off class and your children go to take a class with other kids. Um, sometimes it's, it's just one class. Sometimes it's a few classes. Um, and a lot of program or uh, like museums or nature centers in your area will likely have homeschooling days. Um, if I wanted to, I could have my kids in a homeschooling class every day. Uh, I'm, I'm giving air quotes and I realize your audience can't see that. <laughs> um, I could enroll them in a, in a homeschooling program every day of the week and never see them as if they went to school. Uh, that's personally not how I choose to do it, but it's entirely possible. Okay. So the first first things first is check with your state on what the rules are. Exactly. And see what resources there are. Exactly. Okay. Um, so I just had a quick question. So when you said your kid can do a class, is it like on a, a specific subject like gardening, for instance? Or is it like a broad subject like social studies? Uh, it can be either. You know, it, it just depends on who's running it and what they're teaching. Um, I know kids who go to tutorial for the main core subjects like math and language arts and science and social studies, and then do the other subjects on their own or with friends. I know kids who can, you know, just take like a gardening class or are just choosing to take a math class and then do everything else at home. Okay. So what would be the biggest difference between a co-op and like private school besides the curriculum? Um, co-op generally, parents have a lot more control. Usually it's started by parents because this is, you know, the thing, whatever the thing is that they want for their kids. Uh-huh. And then they collect people who want that too. And, you know, a private school, you may choose a private school based on what it offers, but you have less control as a parent. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it just intrigued me when you said like there's homeschooling options where you can actually send your kids out every single day as if they're going to school. And I was like, Oh, that's, that was an interesting point. Yeah. Cause a a lot of working parents would love to homeschool and their biggest objection is, but what am I going to do with my kids? Uh, but really you can find places to, send them. Uh, okay. So, yeah. and then with the co-op, is it like taking turns usually like at different parents' houses? Often it is. Yes. Okay. Or often they'll have a building and, you know, each parent is responsible for teaching something, but it depends where you are. Um, technically where I am, you're not really supposed to do that. Okay. Um, people do. And as long as it's the parent reporting to the umbrella or the state, no one really knows the difference. Okay. Um, you know, as long as you're showing that your child is getting the instruction that they're supposed to get, that's what I have to show in my state. Um, but it, it depends where you are. Got it. Got it. So I know you're a natural teacher. You've accidentally started a few teaching businesses, but for, I know a common objective, at least for me, I was like, I may need a little bit more patience if I'm going to homeschool my kids. Do you feel like parents have to develop themselves in some sort of teacher way to homeschool their kids? Depends how you're going to homeschool. If you are going to unschool, I would say no, 
you're just being a parent and you know, you're living your life with the kids. Um, if you are going to take a more structured approach, maybe a little bit, not necessarily teachery, but then you would need, you know, you need a plan, you need a routine, a schedule. Um, so there, you know, there's a, a whole continuum of what homeschooling can look like. Okay. So it's more flexible. That's, that's the biggest thing I'm getting. It's like flexible to what would work for you and your family. Exactly. And then just implementing that. And then also it's great to know that there's resources out there. So there's co-ops, um, umbrella. Well, I guess you're reporting to the umbrellas, but there's other groups guaranteed in the city and state that you live in that you can tap into for community support, all of those good things. Yeah. And in, in some states, they even have like hybrid options where you can be like partially in school and partially homeschool. Um, some states give you funding for homeschooling expenses. Uh, so it, it really does look different in every state. Okay, got it. Do yep. you help parents with transitioning into homeschooling? Unofficially, I do that. Like if anyone's interested, hit me up. You can send me an email, find me on Facebook. I'd be happy to, you know, to chat with them uh, just because I love homeschooling and I think more people should do it because it's more accessible than a lot of people realize. So happy to help with that, but that's not like my thing. Okay. Got it. I think this conversation is, has brought the awareness that it is more accessible. It's not as daunting (laughs) as I think we, we kind of, kind of learn about it when we initially hear about it and that it's just integrating life with your kids and exactly and honing in on what they're interested in. So resources like the library and seeing what those memberships come in. I know in Vegas, the science museum, I think it's like a hundred dollars a month for the membership. But if you go through the library, it's $3 a month. When I I was like, this is amazing. So like I have it on my list to like, actually talk to the library of what else our membership can include. And, you know, it's, it's, this conversation has given me some ideas and great value of like other things I can do um, in addition to what I've learned already and kind of like accidentally learned already. I, I have to be like more deliberate about it. <laughs> so I know you have some great things planned for your daughters this summer. Can you share what you have going on to give yes. our listeners some ideas? I'm so excited. So uh, we're about to take off. Well, by the time your audience is hearing this, we will have already gone camping for a week in New Hampshire. Um, It'll be interesting because we're looking at 80, 85 during the day and in the 40s at night. So we've got a whole bunch of outfits. Is this the first camping in New Hampshire? Yes. First time camping in New Hampshire for us. Yep. Um, And then I actually got offered an opportunity to live at a camp with my kids for four weeks this summer and babysit for one of the staff members, two children. Oh, nice. So my kids get to have built-in friends. We get to live at a camp for four weeks. We get all our meals provided. We get to do camp activities and, you know. Where is that? That is a camp in Virginia. Okay. So close to home. Yeah, it's for us, it's only about an hour and a half away from my house. So um, I'll get to come home or we'll get to come home weekends, hang out with our husband because unfortunately he won't be able to be there. He has to stay home for work. Okay, um, got it. And how is your how does your husband adjust to the homeschooling life? So 
he's on board as much as I am? That's a question I get all the time because I know so many moms who are working on their husbands because they're not there yet. Uh Um, But my husband's like, okay, sounds good. (laughs) Let's go for it. You want to unspool? Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Um, And I, I think he just sees it too, how much my kids love life and they're happy. And he had a terrible, terrible school experience. And, you know, he doesn't want that for, for our kids. So I think that helps too. Awesome. Awesome. So he, he trusts you basically Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) to make the decisions. That's great. All right. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation, giving a lot of ideas on getting our kids off the screen outside unschooled, all of the matrix, all of those. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Where could everybody find you? Um, Best place to find me right now is Facebook at Carrie Paxton Hertzberger. Um, You can also send me an email at, I have to pause and make sure I say this right because I always mess it up. My email is Carrie at CarrieCares.co, C-O, not com. Um, And you can, if you would like, download my free gift of 73 activities to do this summer. All low prep, no stress, budget friendly. You can do like right, most of them right outside your door. Um, And that is carriecares.co slash summer outside. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll have all of this in the show notes too. So no need to scramble if you're driving or whatnot. <laughs> you could get these notes on where to find Carrie and her fabulous um, calendar. She actually has it in the calendar. I downloaded it myself on what you could do each day. And if you're like me, like I need, I need as much <laughs> like specifics as possible so I could just wake up and, and, and get it done. So before we end, I always ask my guests five rapid questions and you have to answer with one word or one sentence. I'm so nervous. That's a lot of pressure. They're easy questions, but you know, I don't want you to think too long on it. So the first one is my favorite meal of all time is. Ooh, steamed crabs with Old Bay. I'm a Marylander at heart. Yeah. Even though I want to move. (laughs) Can't, I'm sure that's part of the reason why you can't move. (laughs) What's on your nightstand right now? Uh, stack of books I've been meaning to read, a lamp, and my cell phone charger. Are you taking any of the books camping? Um, probably. That's a good time to catch up. Um, your favorite me time activity? Yoga, preferably hot yoga. Mm, I haven't tried hot yoga, but the other ones <laughs> intense. Um, what advice would you give your 16-year-old self? Ooh. Stop caring about what everybody thinks. That's a great one. I'm learning that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then last one is mom life is. Mom life is constant and super fun. I like it. I like it. Actually, I love it. It's very true. All right. Well, thank you, Carrie. This has been a very insightful and enlightening conversation i we may have to do a part two because i'm sure our our listeners will be like oh my god like i really feel like homeschooling or unschooling could be doable for me so we may have to dig in depending on what comments and questions we get yeah i would be happy to let me know 
I will. Well, thank you everybody for listening. This is your host, Nicole Van Lun, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Mom Life Be Like podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm so thrilled and honored to have you listen. I will see you in the next episode.